The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Well, welcome in as we head towards another weekend as part of the Big Fight Weekend preview. We are previewing, we believe, a Shakur Stevenson fight that was to have been a title defense. We know for sure it's not a title defense. The question is, is he still fighting in the ESPN top-ranked main event? We're ready to talk about that whole situation. We are definitely talking about the Queensbury Promotions heavyweight showdown. Joe Joyce, Joseph Parker, that's Saturday afternoon in the U.S., Saturday night, London time. We know that fight card is coming off. So a lot to get to in the preview mode. Some news before then. Glad to have you with us. I'm the somewhat capable host. He is our insider, Dan Rayfield, who has been on Weight Watch for the entire afternoon and evening for Shakur Stevenson and what's going on with this unified 130 pound title fight that is no more. So mighty one, it is good to be with you. Um, and, uh, and here we go with, uh, with trying to preview a fight that we're not even sure at the moment while we do the podcast, if it's going to happen, good to be with you. What's up. Good to be with you also. And, uh, you know, only in boxing, are we 24 hours away as we tape this and, no one seems to be quite sure the fight is happening. I think that the people at top rank think that it will happen. And, and their perspective is this is just uh, stubborn people being stubborn and they'll work a deal out. But to catch people up, the fight is on Friday night, not the typical Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be Shakur Stevenson defending the unified WBC and WBO junior lightweight titles at 130 pounds uh, that he unified in April against Oscar Valdez. He's supposed to defend them. Uh, in his hometown of Newark, New Jersey, at the Prudential Center in the big uh, homecoming fight, the ESPN top-ranked main event against Ropes and Concesau, a three-time Olympian, 2016 gold medal winner in front of the home crowd in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, this is the person who lost the highly controversial decision to Oscar Valdez prior to Valdez losing the title to Shakur. So the talk is, you know, from Concesau, he's the uncrowned champion. And from Steven's perspective, Stevenson's perspective, look, I beat Valdez to unify. He calls himself the uncrowned champion while well, I beat him too. So that was the setup for this fight. They go to the weigh-in on Thursday afternoon. Concesau makes the weight no problem. 129.6 pounds. He's on weight. Shakur steps on the scale. He's 131.6 pounds. He's 1.6 pounds overweight. Now, that is not good, obviously. But it is not an unprecedented situation. I have seen many times over the years, fighters come in overweight by perhaps even as that much, and they get there a lot of time. In this case, in New Jersey, the rules tell uh, fighters they are allowed two hours to lose the weight. Now, the weigh-in started later than it was supposed to in the first place. That was top rank delaying it as an accommodation to to let Stevenson have a little more time to get down because obviously he knows he's heavy. Um, The problem was, According to Top Rank, he had already spent like four hours prior to the weigh-in trying to get rid of that extra weight and saying, you know, and just saying, I'm stuck. I can't get anything more off. And so (laughs) what happens is the weigh-in occurs. He's overweight. So Top Rank, their guys that are there, they bring out the black screen. And when they bring out the black screen, you know what that means? That means the guy's going to trip down nude and uh, he's going to try to weigh on the scale. I mean, he obviously wasn't going to lose 1.6 pounds in the nude, but maybe he was going to lose something because he's taken off his... uh, you know, all of his clothes. But as soon as he saw the black screen come out, Shakur looked at those guys and just shook his head. In other words, he didn't even take off the underwear to try to weigh and see what he was. And he wasn't going to use the two hour allotment because as I said to you, they'd already 
uh, said that he'd used, you know, he'd spent four hours trying to shake the weight and he was done. I mean, people say, well, you know, it's a pound and a half. He's not even going to try in the two hours. Now, I'm not making right. excuses right. for guys missing weight, particularly in championship fight. But, you know, there is such a thing called, you know, physiology or whatever. You get to a certain point and there's nothing more coming off. It becomes unsafe. And he just already had spent four hours doing it. So it sucks and it's unprofessional and it's really a shame. But at the end of the day, he wasn't going to take the two hours because what's the point? He's just going to waste everybody's time and suffer and uh, probably still not make the weight. And so the point is, he's overweight. So he's stripped of the two titles. Those titles become vacant. Uh, and now they have to come up with a plan to go forward. So typically what happens is the, the two camps negotiate a financial payment and the, the person that is on weight gets you know a chunk of money from the other guy's purse to allow the fight to go on. Uh, I've seen that happen a thousand times. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not good, but it's, it's, it doesn't, uh, it's not uncommon. In these situations, that's normally what happens. Correct. Fair to say. So that the weigh-in was many hours ago, as we, I said, we were taping mm -hmm. this about 10 o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, you know, I'd checked in with top rank a couple of times just to see what's up as the fight, you know, everything's good to go. And I was like shocked that it's taken this long. So as of 10 o'clock ish, they still had not concluded a deal. Now, Others at top rank say, look, they're just being stubborn. They're going to get it worked out. And others are sort of like, and I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so we're taping this, not knowing if the fight is on. I hope it goes on because no matter whether the guy's overweight or not, you still want to see, you know, a quality fighter in the ring against a quality challenger. Now, keep in mind, should the fight go forward, which I do expect that it will, but you never know. So if Shakur Stevenson wins, the titles will remain vacant. But if Robeson Contessau wins, he gets those two vacant championships. I mean, that's the way it works. Um, so let's bring that point clearer, and and I think it cuts right to it. Why would he not agree to whatever? He's still fighting for the two titles and fighting on national TV for a good payday. Why would he not agree to that? I mean, it's crazy to me, sitting <clears throat> back in the cheap seats, that you wouldn't agree to that at some point, and maybe it's going to be Friday morning. I mean, you'd think he will make the agreement, but it's a matter of how much money is he asking Shakur for? I don't know the, what the number is that he's asking for. I do know this. Shakur Stevenson's making a seven-figure purse. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's his fault that he's the one that didn't make the weight. So I would expect that it will be six figures, whatever he would require uh, to, to, to move. And it's not so much to like, because he's afraid to fight him. It's like, you know what? You messed up. It's I have the leverage. You want to fight. We both put in two minutes of training. We both want to get a payday. But yours has to be lighter because – you were irresponsible in terms of making your weight. So I get all that. So the question is, how much is Kazasau's team asking for? How much is Shakur willing to give up? Obviously, top rank is going to have to get in the middle of it. You know, these negotiations, you know, they're both with the same promoter. So top rank has both guys. You know, it becomes sort of a delicate situation. I, I have to say, though, I'm a little shocked that it's taken uh, this long and it's still not done. And I would also say, and I don't think anybody truly knows the answer just yet, if for some reason the worst happens and the fight gets canceled, I have a hard time seeing the card happening, period. Uh, you know, it would be very difficult for Top Rank to go to the public and to ESPN and say, we're going to bring you a card uh, where we're going to headline with Keyshawn Davis, um, you know, against uh, Omar Tenda in a fight that is an eight-rounder that is not exactly uh, main event material. And so, again, as we talk with Dan Rayfield about this kind of breaking news and evolving story here, I did ask you this before I hit the record button. I'm now going to ask it for the podcast audience to hear the answer. There are a lot of times, and we've talked about this on recent podcasts, an emergency opponent that's standing by, that's waiting, et cetera, et cetera. In this case, because it's a title fight, that's not the case here where either fighter could go to an emergency opponent. So I'm kind of with you, again, from the cheap seats, 
that if they don't agree, that's it. They're going to 86 this top right card and ESPN will show the replay of a football game or something on Friday night. Well, it's not, it's not so much. It's not so much. There's no, no opponent because it's a title fight. We've seen plenty of title fights where they do have backup opponents. So that is not really a factor in my mind. Uh, It's just that there's not necessarily a person that they could have had on standby uh, in that event, because remember the standby opponents, particularly in today's day and age, it's not necessarily because of a weight situation. It's because of COVID and that sort of thing. Right. I, I think that top rank, you know, has to, would have to believe that if there was a weight problem, you know, as long as it wasn't like dramatic, that they would be able to work out a deal. Now, 1.6 pounds is not good, as I said, but it's not, it's, I mean, I've seen guys come in like eight pounds overweight and the fight get canceled. We all saw what happened. It's not a boxing match, but a couple of weeks ago, what happened with the UFC card mm-hmm. and they had to, you know, redo that entire show because the weight disparity was so, so dramatic. 1.6 pounds is, you know, certainly an issue, but it's not dramatic to the extent where they can't work, you know, they can't work out a but deal where, example, maybe, you know, listen, TJ, I'm not even sure. Maybe the, maybe that the, the deal-making process is not even about the dollars. It's about, we want him to do a weight check tomorrow morning, you know, and, right. and that Which sort of thing. Cause he sure. can't go up. He can't go up more than, you know, whatever they degree. Usually it's like 10 pounds or whatever. So we're not sure if it's a financial thing or if it's a weight check in the morning, but they just don't, they didn't, they didn't do a standby opponent, frankly. And so again, uh, the common sense part and a lot of times common sense and boxing don't go together would be, <laughs> okay, if you had a standby guy and Consacal doesn't want to fight, Shakur could fight somebody else and still keep that as a 10 round non-title main event. If everybody wanted to do that, what you're saying is that's not even really going to be an option. That's not available. Either these guys are going to agree or there's not going to be a fight for either one of them against. And I don't, else. I don't think we they were in a position they were not in a position where if it was Shakur that dropped out to bring in somebody else to face Kansasau, not because he's not a top fighter, but because the the event is geared towards Shakur because it's in Newark, New Jersey, which is his hometown. So no one's showing up at the arena. If it's Kansasau versus some backup opponent, that's not the local guy. So, you know, it's, it's a difficult situation. Now, all that said, I I do expect the fight will still take place, but we Mm -hmm. have, you know, we can't say for sure as we tape this, so we're just going through the what the possibilities are. Top rank, some of their brass, you know, was sort of like basically texted with me earlier before, right before we came on uh, to tape this, and was sort of like, "Look, it's uh, it's uh, knuckleheads being knuckleheads and trying there to work go. things out." And by and by the way, somebody gets through language barrier or not to Consacal and says, "Babe, I'm just being funny here. You're fighting for two world titles yourself, and if you win, you're going to get a significant payday for the next." unified fight card that you're going to headline on now for top rank, you know, take what you can get here out of Shakur for what went on again, common sense uh, would seemingly apply on that. He did an excellent job of laying all of that out. And again, we qualify to the audience. You may know the answer now on Friday morning that yes, they are fighting. It was agreed to, or this may drag on a little bit into Friday as we've released the podcast off of Thursday night with what we're doing. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I did not mention this at the beginning. Thank you for finding us, however you did. Social media link, Dan Substack, Fight Freaks Unite, whether you found us on the bigfightweekend.com website. Uh, Dan, I should say more and more and more audience is finding us. Uh, Again, there were thousands and thousands that found us on the Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin weekend. Thank you for that. Keep pumping, keep keep finding us, uh, keep uh, subscribing uh keep following us because uh, more and more of you are doing that we're here in the preview mode heading into the weekend most times and the recap mode off the fight weekend and again we know we have joyce parker the heavyweights in manchester england that we will be previewing 
We're just kind of working through what we're doing. And as Dan likes to say, if you are following or subscribing, you're going to get what? You're going to get what? Tell the public what they're going to get when there's a new oh, you're going to get a, You're going to get a ding. You're going to get a bell. You're going to get a vibration. You're going to get a red Something. light something some kind of alert that tells you there's a new podcast whenever it's out just like if you were following or subscribing you got one late thursday night early friday morning that told you there's a new one out uh with what's going on here all right so uh again more on the shakur card a little bit uh later you mentioned Keyshawn davis i'll go over a couple of other fighters that might be of interest on that card in a little bit i want to back up because off the canelo alvarez victory uh, you reported about the pay-per-view numbers, and lo and behold, suddenly you and Matchroom Boxing promoter Eddie Hearn, who is not shy, he's not a wallflower, you started engaging each other over the pay-per-view numbers, the revenue, the ability to pay the fighters. I was thoroughly in entertained. I was trying to coordinate with you on a couple of things, so I just kind of sarcastically, because you and I now understand each other, we laugh, we get along. I said, when you're done swatting at Hearn and him swatting at you, can you please get back to me? All right, so that was going on. Uh, anything else you want to say other than what we read on social media about what you reported on the pay-per-views and Hearn's response? Listen, I wasn't real. First of all, just so everybody is aware, like Eddie Hearn and I get along just fine. Right. I rather like Eddie. I mean, I've known mm -hmm. Eddie for a long time. I've covered many of his shows, uh, both in the United States and in the UK. Uh, you know, I don't have any particular issue with Eddie Hearn whatsoever. Uh, but Eddie is doing what he's supposed to do. He's protecting his product. He's propping up his guys. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I do have a problem when you call me a liar or tell me I'm misinformed. I don't, I don't, I have a problem with that because I'm not a liar and I'm not misinformed and I'll put my, my record for honesty up against Eddie Hearn's record for honesty any day of the week. And anybody that follows boxing can look at it, the situation and say, who would have more reason to lie about paper numbers? Because to be honest with you, I'll tell you, I'll tell the audience. I don't give a shit what the numbers are. I just write what I know to be the right. truth. It's not like I just base this on like one person called me up with a rumor. I don't play games like that. Okay. This is, this is at least three different people who are deeply involved in this business. One who is involved in the event who understand how these, these numbers are reported, how they work from, and they're not even necessary people that have a dog in the hunt. So they're people who I respect and who I trust and have known for many years. So here's the point though. And it's very obvious who would have the vested interest? Me to just report the number or the promoter whose product it is? I mean, who's more known to be liars, promoters or writers? That's certainly not writers. We, you know, my, my goal in writing is to write the truth. But here's the other point about it. Less than 24 hours. Well, let me back up. So I write the story on mm -hmm. uh, whatever. I forget what it was that. Was that on Wednesday night? I think you brought that on uh, in my days all run together. You brought that on Tuesday night. And Tuesday then on night. Wednesday, that's when the responses came. So I've been doing this. I've been writing about professional boxing for a long time, for 22 and a half years, roughly. I, to my knowledge, it's the first time ever I wrote a story and I got a phone call at about 1030 at night after the story came out from a DAZN PR person. Mm -hmm. that was, Hey, where'd you get those numbers? Like I actually felt bad. And the person that called was doing their job who I rather like have no problem with is like, I, I refer to, to us writers and PR people. We're like the grunts. We're on the ground. We're fighting the battle We're we may not be on the same side, but we, we, I respect the PR people. What By they the way, do can I versa. compliment you? I'm not kissing your butt. You're not a grunt. You're, you're like categorizing people as grunts. You're not a grunt. So I get it. But, okay, but so was just, the PR uh, person inquiring or yelling at you? I'm just curious. I'm we're, having fun. we're worker bees is the way. I look. We're right, like yeah. worker bees. on. Was opposite. the PR person were, yelling or inquiring? No, not yelling, not yelling. But it was. It seemed to me that they were told 
call Rayfield. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of rather felt kind of felt bad for that person. I found the whole scenario rather comical, like a PR person is going to call me at 1030 at night. And I'm going to, and they're going to say, where'd you, and they asked me where you get the numbers from. And I'm going to say, yeah, I got the numbers from, you know, Joe Smith or Joe Blow or whatever. And I'm going to just not Joe Smith, the headlight heavyweight, by the way. Right. And I'm just going to like give up my sources. That That's not how this business works. So th- they're telling me, we don't even know our numbers yet. How do you know our numbers? I'm like, well, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> uh, but then I found it really funny that like tw- less than 24 hours later, DAZN puts out the most parsed lawyerly press release of all time trying to cloud what I wrote. I was extremely specific. I reported that the pay-per-view did between 550 and 575,000 pay-per-view buys in the United States, which is the metric by which pay-per-view has been measured in this country since pay-per-view has existed in the early 90s. Okay, it's never been about what it does in international territory or some overseas place. Right. It's always been... You know, it, when Mayweather Pacquiao broke the record, it was 4.6 million. That wasn't 4.6 million around the world. That was 4.6 million pay-per-views essentially in North America, the United States, Canada, whatever encompassed the territories in North America of Showtime pay-per-view and HBO pay-per-view because it was a joint broadcast. When, uh, when you report the numbers on an Oscar De La Hoya fight or older Canelo fights or other Floyd Mayweather fights when the Showtime deal was going on, whatever the case may be, Mike Tyson fights in his right. heyday on Showtime pay-per-view back when it was called SET. It was about what is the domestic pay-per-view number, how much revenue did it generate? Because those events, which were taking place in the United States with American-based stars, were uh, accounting for the ginormous percentage of the revenue for the event, having nothing to do with, you know, it was pay-per-view revenue. The gates were separate. What you generated in sponsorships were different. What you generated in ticket sales, what you generated in merchandise, what you generate in foreign television, totally different. That was other money that went to the pot. But pay-per-view in America was a separate thing, and that was the metric by which they were measured. And so DAZN puts out a press release touting that the fight between (coughs) Canelo and Triple G did 1.06 million pay-per-views, and they couched it in a way that I've never seen before. They suddenly just changed the way things are reported. And they wrote that it was that number was derived from pay-per-view subscriptions, pay, I'm sorry, pay-per-views and subscriptions. And that to <laughs> me, and it's not hard if you know how to read English language, right. that means if you bought it, now the zone is in like 200 markets or so around the world. The pay-per-view was available in about 10 of those markets. In many of the markets, the fight was free as long as you had a subscription. The same way here in America, we were able to watch Anthony Joshua Alexander Usyk rematch just as part of your regular DAZN subscription. But if you lived in the UK, you had to buy it for a separate pay-per-view fee. And likewise, here in America, if you wanted to watch Canelo versus Triple G on DAZN, you had to buy the pay-per-view via DAZN and buy a month subscription or you already were a subscriber. But if you lived in like Japan or you lived in like Denmark or whatever, it just came as part of your subscription. So the DAZN pay-per-view for this fight was places like the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia. I want to say like Poland was one of those places. There was like 10 territories where it's pay-per-view. So what they were doing to get to their 1.06 million number was counting. If I lived in France, let's say, I'm using, I don't even know if they have the zone in France. I'm using that as an example. If I wanted to watch the fight in France and it was not a pay-per-view, I had to buy the subscription of the zone and then I could watch it. And they're counting the purchase of that subscription as a pay-per-view buy. And once again, the, the cost of the zone 
in markets around the world is vastly different. Correct. You know, here in the United States, it's $20 a month or it's a hundred and so, they're raising it to 150 a year. Uh, it's far, it's like 10 pounds a month or eight pounds a month or something like that in the UK. It's much cheaper in, in other places. The pay-per-view has different price points in the United States. Of course, it was $85 uh, less if you were already subscriber by 20 bucks, different price point in Australia. The point is they just, just ran roughshod over what the norms are. So if you think 1.06 million subscriptions to DAZN plus individual pay-per-view buys is good, then that's good for them. But that's not what I reported. Correct. I reported apples to apples. Canelo Alvarez won and Triple G did 1.3 million buys in, in, in 2017. That in, was the American. In the American. In, in right, the United right. States. The rematch, one year later, September of 2018, did 1.1 million pay-per-view buys, but actually in terms of the television revenue of the pay-per-view generated more money than the 2017 uh, event because the price point of the pay-per-view was higher. So they're trying to make it seem as though I misreported the numbers by like half because I wrote 550-ish and they're telling everybody that it's 1.06, but they are bullshitting liars because they try to lawyer everybody in that sentence and they also never announced the revenue. They also never announced the United States number. Now, I asked the publicity person who called me, I said, why not just say what the American audience was? And the response was, the zone is an international streaming service and we don't break out the country separately. Fair point. But don't tell me that my numbers are wrong. Right. Now, don't argue. Right. And don't try to make me look the fool. And that's what Eddie, look, Eddie's doing his job. But I saw he made videos, you know, because they had their news conference uh, for their event. They have this weekend where... Uh, they lost their main event uh, between Lee Wood and, uh, and and Mauricio Lara because of Lee's injury. So they're saddled with a, a less than stellar main event of Maxi Hughes against Kid Galahad in the lightweight division. Uh, and Eddie was doing some interviews around that. And I saw one where he basically spent the first 10 minutes interview ripping me and telling me I'm misinformed and that I have an agenda and all this other bullshit, which is not true. I don't have an agenda. You know, if this was a similar fight, if, if, if Triple G and Canelo had done the exact same business, and it was the exact same scenario. And it was promoted by Top Rank or PBC or Golden Boy or Frank Warren or pick a promoter. I'd have reported it the exact same way. And anybody that has read me or knows me for any length of time knows that's the goddamn truth. Uh, you're bringing fire. I love this. By the way, I got the same email. I laughed the same way. The sentence for the record in the email says more than 1.06 million buys generated worldwide, including pay-per-view and zone subscriptions. And I'm with you. What does that mean? Because you. you've, you've cobbled together everything from every which uh, direction. And so there we go. So all uh, I know is this, they were on the hook for approximately uh, 65 to $75 million for the main event. And guaranteed to those two fighters. Correct. You know, and I don't blame the boxers, you know, God bless Canelo Alvarez and Triple G mm -hmm. for getting every dollar that they can uh, at this level of their careers, uh, particularly for Gennady, who is, you know, basically in the twilight of his career and probably uh, doesn't have a lot of fights left in sure. him. And he's finally making that big, money. big money. Good for Tremend him. So this is money. never this is not an indictment of the fighters. It's that the public saw this fight as a tremendously exciting, entertaining, and interesting rivalry, the first two fights. And a lot of people looked at it and they did see it. So if they did a million buys worldwide in terms of subscriptions and pay-per-views, okay, that's good. It doesn't necessarily cover the main event or the event, but there was still some interest. It just that 
a lot of people felt like the fight was you know, past its sell-by date because Triple G hasn't really done anything for the last four years. And Canelo has been off doing all these other series of fights and tried to age him out maybe and fought him when he was 40 years old. And it just did not have the same spice and excitement level as the first two fights. And I also must say, uh, you know, all due respect, I thought that matchroom boxing, who usually does a terrific job with their events. Again, I'm not anti-matchroom for those who, for some reason, think I am. Uh, I just felt like matchroom and zone just did not do uh, a bang-up job on this promotion. It was all within sort of like the echo chamber. They never really got outside of the niche boxing folks. Uh, and if you're going to do a really tremendous pay-per-view in the United States and, and achieve big numbers, you have to have uh, the casual sports fans acknowledgement. This right. fight was not covered. in the, Look, I always check like, and I spent five years working for USA Today. Uh, and my good buddy Lance Pugmire now writes some boxing for USA. He was at the fight. But I didn't see much pre-fight material, not because of Lance's fault, because it's the editors who make those decisions. I subscribe where I live here in Northern Virginia to the Washington Post. And I looked at the newspapers when I came home that had uh, piled up on the on the, uh, on the kitchen table. I you know I could have looked online, but I'm still old school with my newspapers sometimes that I get to my house. Didn't see any pre-fight story in the Washington Post, which for a really big fight, they don't yeah. cover boxing necessarily on a regular basis, but they usually would have like a pre a singular pre-fight story. And they did, they did a poor job of making the fighters available. Other than, I mean, Golovkin was available because his publicist, Fred Sternberg, took care of business and uh, had Gennady knock out a ton of interviews. So they did a great job on the Triple G side of the equation. But Canelo was largely kept in a bubble. And in terms of talking to boxing media, I talked to my colleagues out there in Las Vegas, and we all had a trouble, couldn't get a hold of Canelo or get him on the line or get a Zoom call going, even with multiple people on a call, a conference call. We didn't really get a chance to talk to him until like the Wednesday of fight week. And I always say, my experience, if you don't have material from the fighters going into fight week, you got nothing. So not a great job on the promotion. And, uh, you know, that has to fall at the feet of the zone and of that room. Um, and uh, that's just the way that it works. So. I stand by my reporting 1,000%, and uh, I have no agenda. And Eddie Hearn and DAZN, they, they want to, like, play games with the language, and that's, a, that's their call. But don't fall for the bullshit. That's the problem. People read on Twitter, oh, Rayfield said it did 550, but it really did a million. Those people are idiots because they don't know how to read. I like this. And, and again, uh, there's two other variables here. One of them, as you mentioned, it may not have been a pay-per-view in all places where the subscriptions were. The subscriptions cost different amounts of money. Um, and another factor here, and if you know, I don't know if you know, but these deals with Canelo have frequently not included Mexico and the Mexican pay-per-view. 100%. And you did not report anything about the Mexican pay-per-view numbers, but by no. the same token, that doesn't have anything to do with DAZN. And no, DAZN but hold on, time that on, but go ahead, clarify. The boxing event was shown on free television in Mexico. Okay. So if you lived in Mexico... Mm -hmm. Kind of like if you live here in the United States and you were to put on CBS or mm -hmm. ABC or NBC or regular Fox in Mexico, the fight was televised in a joint. It was televised by two networks. It was televised by TV Azteca, which is a major terrestrial station yes. in Mexico. And it was televised by Televisa, another major terrestrial network in Mexico. And on cable, it was it was televised on the series called ESPN Knockout, which is a combat sports show on the ESPN network in ESPN's Mexican department. Okay. So they had two terrestrial avenues showing the fight on Televisa and TV Azteca. And they had one on cable television on ESPN on their program. ESPN. So, so this is fascinating to me. You're educating me and you're educating the public. So now, they, didn't I mean, this is, a, they didn't even offer it as a pay-per-view in no, Mexico free. for extra revenue. That's fascinating. 
Well, that's because Canelo, I guess, you know, part of his deal was, he, you know, they got they got a seven figure international rights from Mexico, but low seven figures. Uh, part of it, I guess, was because I guess Canelo wanted his people to be able to see it. Again, um, and look, there they had three different television crews. So sitting directly in front of me at the fight at ringside was the crew from ESPN Knockout. My boy Chava from, from you know, mm -hmm. I worked with for many years at ESPN. He does some of the commentary, the rest of their team. You had uh, Julio Cesar Chavez and the group of guys he works with that were calling it, I believe, for uh, Azteca. And then you had uh, one of my all-time favorite fighters, uh, the great uh, uh, Hall of Famer, Ricardo Finito Lopez, who was part of the broadcast team. I believe he was, I get it mixed up, which was Televisa, which was Azteca. But the point I'm making is there were three separate Mexican television crews That's at incredible. ringside. That's ESPN incredible. knockout directly in front of me. And then, you know, further down uh, the row, uh, TV Azteca and, uh, and also Televisa. So a Mexican uh, broadcast was not a pay-per-view. And in Kazakhstan, where Gennady is from, uh, my understanding was also like a regular free TV. They don't have pay-per-view in Kazakhstan, to my knowledge. And so the two main locations where the main event fighters were from were just part of, you know, they got a rights deal there. And that's how they didn't know. I want to explain one other thing about how the yeah. TV works. In the old days of the traditional Showtime HBO big mega fight on pay-per-view, then and that's why this came up because the numbers that when they were accounted for was based on the United States or rather North American pay-per-view number because the promoter of the event would then have the right to go sell the international broadcast rights to all around the world. So for example, you own the rights to a big fight and you go and make a deal with a, with the network in Japan and they pay you $25,000. And then you go out or you have a broker that does this and you would go out and sell it to like Argentina. And there's a station there that might pay you 15 grand for the fight. And there's another place in Italy that buys the fight for 15 grand. Another place you might get in Japan, maybe they'll pay you 50 grand for the fight. The point is they would go out and you just add all that up. And when it was all said and done, you might generate X number of millions of dollars uh, from the international TV sales. But because of the way that the zone works, where they're an international streaming service, so anything they have on boxing, you can watch here in the United States as well as anywhere else they have around the rest of the world. It's essentially like they act as that clearinghouse. So there's no more not there's no more need or necessity for matchroom boxing to go out there and sell the fight event country by country by country. They have an overarching deal with Canelo slash the zone of how how they're going to do that. So when when the zone puts up. 75 million dollars or whatever for the main event they're taking into account that we're not just paying that for the rights in the united states for pay-per-view we have rights in virtually the rest of the world other than the carve outs that we mentioned a mexico a kazakhstan maybe there was one or two others for whatever reason but by and large they would control the international for the entire world they didn't have to go sell it country by country by country because they hope to re to to get revenue from each of the territories they're in, either via people who already have subscriptions, so they keep subscribing monthly or annually for that matter, or new subscribers who sign on because they want to see the fight, which is why they wrote their press release the way they did, or people who are in territories who might just subscribe for a month and buy the pay-per-view and then maybe not continue to subscribe. And that's why it went down the way it is. The zone now is in essence the clearinghouse for all the international rights because they're not selling it station by station, country by country. They retain the worldwide rights and it goes on their service around the world. Once again, I'll reiterate, the number I reported was accurate in terms of North American pay-per-view, which is the traditional metric by which all pay-per-views have always been measured, period. And they were trying to 
make it like it was the entire world, making me sound like I'm an idiot when I'm actually not. You just have to know how to read to be able to parse that. They try to lawyer me and they want to insult me and cast into question my, my, uh, you know, my standards for reporting. Ain't you happening. Know, We're not going to let them I happen. say they can go fuck themselves. <laughs> that part two on a Thursday night. It's getting late. He's still bringing the fire. Hey, just as one more thing, if you remember off the top of your head and you can look for it, the Canelo Caleb plant pay-per-view that was through Fox, that was not through DAZN. Was it a little, was it not a little better than this pay-per-view? Was it the same? Okay. So that's that just fight, a reference point domestically we're talking about. And that's an American apples, fighter. That's an American fighter. And, but you know, all due respect to Caleb Plant, he doesn't have the kind of name recognition right. of a Gennady Golovkin or the history that these two guys already had in terms of the two fights and all the bad blood. But but if you want to compare apples to apples, in November of 2021, Caleb Plant against Gennady uh, against Canelo Alvarez generated approximately 800,000 pay per views, North American apples to apples on Fox paper uh, on a Showtime pay per view, Showtime pay per view. Gotcha. His next fight after he knocked out Caleb Plant. He came back in May, Canelo did, and fought Dimitri Bivol on DAZN pay-per-view in a fight that I reported in North America under the same metric, did approximately 520,000 pay-per-views. And for the record, when I reported that number, I got no phone calls, I got no pushback, <laughs> I got no nonsense from everybody about, about that number. And so now, uh, several months later, he does his next fight in the third uh, fight, the trilogy fight with Triple G, and I report the fight does... Uh, between 550 and seven, uh, 550 and 575. And, and I will also say this, one of the sources that I spoke to said they thought maybe on, on a good day it had a chance to get to 600. But the point is, the, the difference between the, the Dimitri Bivol fight, which being honest, we know was a much smaller fight than a Triple G fight. In terms of uh, magnitude, because it's a Russian, right. and in terms of known, it's in the United States, and it's a Russian though. Yeah, go ahead. Of course. So the point is Golovkin in the third fight with Canelo it did better than the Bivol fight, but not by dramatic amounts. I mean, the difference, you can do the math, the difference between, say, 520,000 buys and 550,000 buys, all things considered in, this, in the context of this magnitude of money is really not that much difference in terms of the uh, bottom line. All right. So you covered you know, it well. You covered it well. We did well with that. We're going to pause. Just, I'll just, let me just close with one statement. Yeah. Anybody that still has questions, just ask yourself, who has a reason to lie about numbers? A reporter that's been doing it for 20 plus years on report on every pay-per-view out there, basically, or the promoter that's trying to protect himself. Well done on that. All right. We got fight previews to get to, but a little bit of quick news. The women's <clears throat> double header with uh, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall as the headlining fight. And then Michaela Mayer, Alicia Baumgartner as the co-feature, two women's world title fights of great interest postponed due to the death of Queen Elizabeth and the period of mourning. It is now officially back on, like had been talked about, like you reported, like we discussed, October 15th. It will happen, same location in London. Just a quick thought from you on that. They made it official, boxer promotions in top rank. Yeah, I mean, good for them. I mean, they mentioned that when they postponed it in the first place that they were looking at the October 15th date. It wasn't yet official. It is now official. Not only are those two uh, women's championship fights on that date, as you mentioned, uh, the undisputed middleweight fight between Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, but also the co-feature fight between Michaela Mayer uh, with three of the junior lightweight titles and Alicia Bumgarner with one of the titles. I take that back. Michaela with two of the titles, Alicia with one of the titles to unify the women's 130 pound title to unify those three belts. Also uh, the same undercard, the same other ladies that were on the show 
uh, because it's an all women's card. So those undercard fighters, basically everything just got shifted one month. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. It, it, it was an expensive hit because of the amount of money that had already spent on the event. And, and, the, and the women have to go back in training and, and, and try to peak again and, uh, you know, maintain the weight and the whole thing. But uh, we'll see that event on October 15th. And what that does, TJ, it makes October 15th, if you live in the United States, that's like a big night of boxing just on the ESPN platform because you were going to have this women's card in the early evening uh, in terms of the main event fights, you know, that five, six o'clock time frame. But then that night in prime time, uh, you'll have the live fight uh, coming from Australia, the rematch between uh, Devin Haney and George Cambosis and their rematch for the undisputed lightweight title. So uh, those, and that's just two, there's other fights also that same night in Brooklyn is the Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellenius pay-per-view uh, on a, uh, on a Fox pay-per-view. Um, and so it's a, it's a busy, it's a busy night. There's, there's also other fights on that same day. So, you know, everybody should gear up for a lot of boxing. You don't have to call your mother on the 15th because not <laughs> only that, you got, as I mentioned, you also between besides the other fights I mentioned, uh, you know, Wilder, Hellenius pay-per-view, Haney, uh, Cambosis 2 on ESPN, the Shields card on ESPN Plus. The Zone has another show that same day, uh, the first ever matchroom card from Australia. Uh, down in uh, in Brisbane, Australia. So Melbourne is hosting the Haney Cambosis card, and you know, in a different city in Australia, you've got the uh, Liam Paro Brock Jarvis Jr. welterweight fight on the zone. So that's a busy, uh, exciting day for boxing. No doubt. Uh, also, a couple of other quick items, and then I promise we're going to get to the fight previews momentarily here with Dan Rayfield. Uh, in a way, Paul Butler close to being finalized. What do we know here on that one for bantamweight uh, undisputed? That fight has been in the works for the last few weeks, and I am told that that fight is now signed, sealed, and delivered. The uh, in, a formal announcement will will be, uh, you know, I guess uh, imminent. Maybe they'll wait till Monday or you know early next week to make the formal announcement. Uh, but it's an opportunity for Inoue to become the undisputed bantamweight champion because all due respect to Paul Butler, who's had his his belt for about five minutes uh, and got it in a manner where he didn't actually have to fight the real champion because of his uh, illness or weight issues or whatever. Uh, most people expect an, in a way, absolute destruction. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on a guy's resume, if you can say you were the first ever undisputed Bantamweight champion uh, in the history of the sport in either the three belt or the four belt era, that's a very big feather in his cap in terms of his Hall of Fame uh, accolades because he's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. And just as a point of reference, there has never been an undisputed Bantamweight champion since the two belt era when uh, Panama's Enrique Pinder unified in 1972 Hello. the WBA and the WBC title so it's been a long time and in a way uh, is one step away from gathering all four belts and it's wow. going to be a gargantuan listen I don't even have to wait till the bet us show for that one uh, when we make our picks I just say uh, in a way by by massive destruction in that fight Probably um, a quick knockout we might look at what the under is that's late December because I know we've okay. been kicking around what do we think or we don't know yet uh that fight will take place in December uh and it will be on December the 13th. It'll actually be, I believe that's a Tuesday. Uh, Interesting. In, if, you, if you live in Japan, it will air on Amazon Prime on a streaming service. Here in the United States, it will air early morning hours on ESPN+. Interesting. All right. You're getting great info here from Dan Rayfield. We've got to cool you down for a second because we're coming back with fight previews here in a moment from my man. Will the top-ranked card still go on? Dan and I don't know that at the moment. We'll tell you a little more about the card that is going on besides just the main event uh, that's now just essentially a one-way title fight for Robin uh, uh, Robson Consacow if if the fight is happening. We don't know that. We do know 
that the British fight card from Queensbury is happening with Joe Joyce, unbeaten heavyweight contender, fighting Joseph Parker. We're ready to preview that. Amanda Serrano defending as the co-feature in her featherweight title fight. We'll talk about those straight ahead. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in one more time. I should make mention for the first time here as we come back in on the Big Fight Weekend preview. I am headed to Texas again. I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago for Buccaneers Cowboys. Uh, so my football duties are still continuing. I'm doing the National College Football Radio Broadcast of Texas Tech and Texas, the University of Texas, the Horns, Hook'em Horns. I do believe in all your travails throughout the country, throughout the world, and throughout the state of Texas. You've not been to Lubbock, Texas, or have you for a pro fight, for a championship fight of any kind? Lubbock, Texas, four hours west of Dallas. Yes or no, Mr. Rayfield, Mr. Insider? The answer I have covered many fights in Texas mm -hmm. in places like Dallas, yep. Arlington, San Antonio. Grapevine, uh, a great, well, actually, I take that back. I don't think I've actually covered a fight in Dallas proper because okay. those fights have been in places like Grapevine and Arlington. Right. And in, uh, Fort what's Worth. the other, in a Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth, I guess. Yeah. What's the, there? Where's the University of, uh, I covered uh, Maurice Hooker against Jose Ramirez. That was at the was University of uh, Frisco. Wasn't it in Frisco? Where the no, Cowboy no, I've covered fights is? in Frisco. Yeah, yeah. This was in, uh, I forget what it was on the, on the campus of, it was a nice, a nice arena. It was on the campus of like, Texas uh, something or other. Texas Arlington, um, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Arlington. I forget exactly. But I've covered fights in Houston. I've covered fights in San Antonio. But to answer your question, the long version, I, I've never been to Lubbock, Texas. So Lubbock, four hours due west of uh, Dallas. That's where I'm headed to do college football on Saturday while the fights are all unfolding over in the UK that we'll get to in a few moments. Then I've got to get back to Florida here where uh, the Buccaneers play the Green Bay Packers on part of their radio broadcast as well. So I've got football doubleheader, but I'll be paying attention to the fights. We'll have previews on bigfightweekend.com and recaps. I'm just saying I'm going to be busy traveling, et cetera. Hopefully the skies are friendly for me, my friend. Uh, I hope so. By the way, I looked it up, and that fight I mentioned about uh, between Marie Mirrors and Hooker was in Arlington, just not at the Cowboy Stadium, which is also in Arlington, AT&T Stadium. It was at the College Park Center on the campus of, I believe it was the University of Texas, Arlington. University of Texas Where, uh, and the Mavericks, just like the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. So they play basketball in that arena. So I oh, listen, God. Texas is a great place to cover fights. I've, I've had a lot. I'm oh, hoping, yeah. I'm hoping to, uh, to, you know, to get back there for another fight. I'd love to go. It's not definite, but maybe I'll make the trip down there to San Antonio in December for the third fight between Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. See if I can swing that. Uh, but Texas has been home to many great fights through the yes, years. I've has. covered lots of fights at Cowboy Stadium, but Thankfully, not Lubbock. Yep, Lubbock, we will be there, and it will be bonkers for the University of Texas being there to play Texas Tech. So anyway, back to the fights. We covered it well. You may know the answer. We're saying again as we wrap up the podcast here shortly, we don't know if the Stevenson-Consacal fight is happening. We believe that it is happening. All right, so what else on that card? You mentioned Keyshawn Davis on that card, and also another fighter that you've been heralding a little bit here as a prospect, a rising prospect, in Bruce Shushu Carrington. So we hope this fight card comes off. We believe that it will. Tell me a little more about what else we're going to see for Friday night heading into the weekend. Well, I mean, the, the main thing on that undercard, like you said, assuming everything goes uh, as planned, Keyshawn Davis won uh, a silver medal in the Olympics in Tokyo in 2000, you know, the delayed 2020 Olympics. A great prospect, uh, outstanding skills, good amateur background, uh, kind of a radiant kind of personality. 
just a, a, a nice guy to be around. And he's an exciting fighter because he can, he can fight and he can box. Uh, you know, he's just a really talented fighter. They're moving him along. Uh, not, he's not on the slow track. He's on a fairly fast track. Uh, so he's in the co-feature in an eight-rounder against a fighter named Omar Tinda, who's probably the best opponent he's faced. I forget his record off the top of my head. It's like 23-5 and five or 25-4, and four, something like that. So he's fighting an experienced fighter. Uh, he also was on the undercard back in April when Shakur defeated Oscar Valdez. So they, he's now, you know, he, he looks up to Shakur. He's happy to be on his undercard a second time. He was supposed to come back in the summer, but had an illness that was not COVID related and ended up not fighting. So he's coming back for the first time since that April uh, date when he was on, uh, on the Shakur and Oscar Valdez undercard. So look, it's a showcase fight for him. Uh, they think it's just a little bit of a test, but he, he probably will come through and look excellent. He's a guy that's going to be in a main event in the not too distant future. Uh, you mentioned Bruce Shushu Carrington. He's a featherweight from uh, the New York from uh, from New York City, who uh, you know has got a very dynamic style, exciting boxer, can punch a little bit, you know, slick, has uh, a lot of skills, has a flashy way about him, uh, you know, and he's just kind of moving up the moving up the ladder. He's only got a handful of fights. He's in a six rounder. And then, you know, the, the, the undercard is, is dotted with some of their prospects. Henley LeBron stepping up a little bit against Andy Ventus, an experienced guy in the junior lightweight division. Uh, some, some good amateurs that they, uh, that they had signed, Jahi Tucker, uh, Floyd, as we've talked about before, Floyd Cashflow Diaz, who at one time was that little kid uh, that we saw on 24-7 with Floyd Mayweather in his gym years ago. Now he's a, a, an up-and-coming junior featherweight. He's fighting in a six-rounder. So, you know, it's, it's not the deepest card in the world, but if you like prospects, uh, between Keyshawn, Ashushu, LeBron, Tucker, uh, Floyd Diaz, a couple other guys, like you got a look at who the top rank, uh, some of their better prospects are that are on this undercard. And, you know, as everybody knows, if you want to watch those of those bouts that are not part of the main card, they do stream on ESPN+. Plus. All right, good enough. A lot of fights. Keyshawn Davis obviously has stardom written all over him. Let's see how he looks if this fight card does uh, come off. Okay, on Saturday, we do know that the – uh, Queensbury Promotions showdown for the WBO top spot and now interim heavyweight title. Dan is still perturbed. I'll use that word as we head towards the weekend that the WBO went ahead and declared that to be an interim title fight for Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker. Joyce undefeated. Parker, a veteran that's won a couple of recent fights over Derek Chisora. Uh, Parker been doing a lot of sparring as well with Tyson Fury. Uh, over the course of the last year or so. All right, so they're squaring off in Manchester, England. This is Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, Saturday night in the U.K. Give me a thought or two on this because obviously it's important for the winner to be on the radar as the WBO's top contender. Uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, so people, if they care, uh, in the U.K., it's on just a regular uh, BT sport here in the United States on ESPN+. And listen, it's a good matchup. It's Anytime you can get two of the top heavyweight contenders to fight each other, uh, when it's so hard to make the best fights against the best guys, uh, this is a worthwhile fight to watch. Parker, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he's been fighting quality guys. He's, you know, he's had a, a lesser opponent the last time out because this fight with Parker, I guess they ended up not doing it as quickly as they wanted to. But he's, he's fought the likes of Carlos Takam. He's got the big win against Daniel Dubois. That was probably his calling card victory thus far. He has a win against Brian Jennings, who was a top contender for a while, fought Vladimir Klitschko for the heavyweight championship a few years ago. Um, you know, he's fought Bermain Severn, Alexander Ustinov. I mean, he's got, for a guy that doesn't have a ton of professional fights, only got 14 pro fights, uh, but they were moving him rather quickly because he didn't turn pro until he was into his 30s after a long amateur career in which he got the silver medal uh, in his Olympic Games in 2016. 
uh, in a fight, frankly, that a lot of people thought he won against Tony Yoka, who ended up taking home the gold for France. Uh, so for, for Joyce, who's never been afraid to really fight anybody, he's taken on Joe Parker, who falls in sort of that same category as a guy that's always been willing to fight the best guys. He held the WBO title for a while, has a very close win against Andy Ruiz to get that belt uh, several years ago, uh, lost the belt to uh, Anthony Joshua in a unification fight in 2018. Uh, that was a really big fight. Uh, at the time that was, uh, you know, they talk about doing Joshua versus Joshua versus uh, Tyson Fury at the Principality Stadium in Cardiff, Wales. It holds 80,000. Well, that's where Joe Parker fought Anthony Joshua and they drew like 78,000 or whatever for that fight. Um, he lost back to back fights. He lost decision to Joshua that cost him his title. He followed up with a decision loss to Dillian White. But ever since then, you know, he hasn't been fighting like the top guys, but he's won six fights in a row, including against Derek Chisora twice against Junior Fa. Mm -hmm. against Alex Leopold, who had fought Klitschko for the title years ago. So not great opponents. Chisora was the best of those groups, and he beat him in the last two fights. And he was looking for a big fight, and I'm happy they were able to make the fight because this is a deal where you have to go through the two promoters because uh, um, Parker had signed after his deal with Matchroom was up. He signed with Boxer, and they're on Sky Sports. Uh, Joe Joyce, of course, is with Frank Warren, who has his fights on BT Sport. And Frank and, beat and, and, uh, and the Boxer people, Ben Shalom, we're able to make a deal that will have Parker cross the street, so to speak, have this fight on BT Sport. And uh, the winner is going to be in a wonderful position because they're going to get the interim title, which we already know my feelings about that. But put that, putting that aside, they're going to be locked in as the mandatory uh, for, uh, you know, whatever happens with uh, Alexander Usyk uh, in the WBO. And if he fights uh, Tyson Fury, if he takes some time off, whatever – the winner of this fight is going to get an opportunity for a much bigger fight. And as boxing fans, that's all we can ask for is for the best guys to fight the best guys. And if you fight another top guy and you win, you should get yourself a bigger fight. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good fight. You know, I, I favored, I favored Joe Joyce just based on, on the size and the strength and the power and uh, the relative freshness, despite the age difference, because he is an older fighter than Parker, but hasn't taken the kind of punishment in the pros that Joe has, but it's, it's a quality fight. And interesting on the BetUS line, we'll talk more about it on the Friday BetUS show. We'll kind of go on the record about this one. The Joyce is only a two-to-one favorite, minus 200, Parker plus 165. So the odds makers, at least at BetUS, think a very even fight here. And even though this one is scheduled as a 12-rounder, it is an over-under of 10.5 rounds, despite Joyce with the big punch. Ten and a half on the over under for that, so we'll we'll kind of go in the prediction mode more on that. Does uh, just real quick? Does that? I mean, that's interesting. It's not that wide for Joyce. You might think it might be a little more wide with him unbeaten and him being kind of the favored guy fighting in Manchester. Uh, any thought on that before we move on? Well, I mean, the, the fact that the odds are close does not surprise me. I think they look at a couple factors. You know, the experience level, the fact that Parker's only losses came against Joshua when Joshua was really at his best, uh, a follow-up loss to Dillian White in a fight where it wasn't like he got bombed out or blown out. I mean, that was a close fight on the cards. Um, you know, Joe has never been stopped in those losses. He's been down a few times. He was knocked down against uh, Dillian White. He was knocked down in one of the Derek Chis in the, uh, I believe, the second Chisora fight. Actually, I take that back. He was knocked down in the first Chisora fight in the very first round and came back and won the fight. Um, so he's known as a guy with, with, you know, guy, he's durable, even though he's been dropped a couple of times, uh, Parker, like you said, he's a heavier puncher, uh, but he's a little bit slow and robotic. And Parker is probably in terms of the, the skillfulness is, uh, you know, more fleet of foot, let's say it just lends itself to a good fight. You know, it's not like 
one guy should be massively favored over the other. Uh, if you tell me that Joe Joyce is the favorite, it makes sense. He's the fighter that's more on the rise, let's say. But, uh, you know, it's not uh, – I wouldn't consider Joseph Parker winning the fight to be some sort of cataclysmic upset by any means. Uh, you know, I would call it – I would refer to it if I were writing a story about it, you know, a minor upset. What? And may the best man win. I just hope big. it's a good fight. And listen, they're both – the thing about this is, you know, you see these guys, these big giants pounding away at each other in the ring. If you ever meet these guys, like – Joseph Parker is just one of the most down-to-earth cool guys you'll meet. And Joe Joyce is just similar. He's just like an everyman, also a cool guy, like just easygoing outside the ring. And, uh, you know, most people, they don't get a chance to meet them and to understand that. I've had a chance to meet and interview both guys before, and they're both very pleasant to be around and uh, both good fighters and uh, both going after their dreams of being a heavyweight champion. And big stakes. There's no doubt there's big stakes here for whoever wins this. And let's see what happens in that one. So that's the main event in Manchester. Amanda Serrano is in the co-feature defending her three featherweight world championships. She was originally supposed to fight in early August on the co-feature of the Jake Paul Hasim Rahman Jr. Uh, pay-per-view that never happened at Madison Square Garden. So they got her in the in the ring. She went over to England. She's there. She's ready to be in the co-feature uh, in Manchester. So good that she's going to be active. And again, seven seven-time world champion in multiple divisions here. As entertaining a women's fighter as there is, she's in the co-feature real quick. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, she's coming off of the loss to Katie Taylor, which was arguably commercially anyway, the biggest women's fight of all time. Breaking news in the middle of the podcast. As we speak, as I'm looking at my phone, I just uh -oh. got a text message. Wait a minute. From, Go ahead. I got a text message as we speak from an executive top rank. Two words. Fight on. <laughs> okay. All right. And he's not referencing USC and the famous fight on with the song girls and the band when they play football. It's he too bad this isn't live, TJ. That's okay. Breaking it, news in the middle of the least, podcast. Hey, you know what? At least for us, it will be for the people hearing it in the morning that you're finding it out in the morning. We found it out in the middle, actually towards the end of our podcast late on Thursday night, that Stevenson and Consacal will fight in the main event on top rank. All right. So it's done. So the fight is on. You got the update uh, on that See, one. See, the text message popped up in my screen, even though I'm looking at <laughs> my phone on the And it just on says the Zoom fight call. on, two words. That's it. That's two all words. Needed. Fight two on. Words. All right. Fight on. So there we go. They agree. All right. We, we return done. to our regularly scheduled program about Amanda Serrano. Yes, please. He's coming please. off that great fight against Katie Taylor, arguably uh, a fight, well, definitely a fight of the year candidate, be it male or female. Uh, certainly from a commercial point of view, was the biggest women's fight there's ever been. Madison Square Garden, a sellout, you know, a tremendous amount of buzz around that fight in the mainstream, uh, you know, two future Hall of Fame women fighting each other, laying it all on the line, putting their hearts out there, close fight. So hard, tough loss for Amanda to take. She was the one moving up to challenge Katie for the undisputed lightweight title. Uh, they tried to do a rematch uh, for different reasons. It didn't happen immediately. I still think they'll fight again. It just wasn't going to be the next match. So Serrano was going back to featherweight where she has two of the titles and she is facing um, she is facing uh, Sarah Mafood, who is the IBF champion, to unify uh, three of the titles. So it's an important fight for Amanda. And, you know, it, she's going to be the favorite again. She has, uh, you know, just a fun fighting style, a lot of skills, a lot of heart. And uh, that's the co-feature. And I think that if she wins, they will once again try to uh, go forward. If, if you know, Katie Taylor had her own uh, next title fight announced this week, uh, and so if she wins that fight coming up and Amanda wins this fight coming up this weekend, 
I have to think that they'll once again go back to the bargaining table and try to make uh, the rematch between her and Katie because they deserve the rematch and a chance to do that again to make the kind of money that's along with that kind of fight. We as fans, I think if you could pick a women's fight that you really wanted to see, you know, we're getting to see unifications with Michaela Mayer. We're getting to see the, the, the long-standing rivalry fight between Clarissa Shields and uh, Savannah Marshall. And certainly seeing a rematch between uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, two of the top women pound for pound Sign in boxing. Me up. Sign yeah, I mean, me that up. was a that was a tremendous battle. So, um, you know, you never know. Sarah Mafood, who she's fighting, is 11 and 0. Uh, Amanda has way more experience. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you got to favor Serrano, obviously. She's but heavily uh, favored on the Bet US line, but she also admitted she hurt her left hand uh, in the Katie Taylor fight. So there's been a little rehab that was back in April. Now here we are in uh, in mid September, so that's just a variable here. She she yeah, has I mean she should be good power. to go. She has she tremendous power in that left hand. So let's see what it looks like in this co-feature fight. And again, big things if she wins, and Katie Taylor's likely going to win. Big things coming probably in the first part of 2023. We would think with those two in a rematch if they can come. But it's what it is is it's uh, in terms of the main event with Joseph Parker and Joe Joyce. You know, it's not a it's not a, a throwaway second fight. It's it's uh, maybe not the biggest fight in the world, obviously. But, you know, Amanda Serrano coming off that great uh, performance against Katie Taylor, even if it was a loss, taking on an undefeated uh, fighter to unify titles. Uh, you know, if you like women's boxing, seeing one of the best women out there in this fight, in a stakes fight where there's another title at stake for her unification, you know, is definitely worth watching. Uh, you know, Amanda Serrano, if you, even if you, I say this to people, and I know a lot of people that, that, that I, that I, talk to fans and that sort of thing they love boxing but they're not they don't love women's boxing right but if you're going to watch women's boxing at all amanda serrano should be the type of uh boxer you want to watch because she's very she's a very entertaining fighter she can box she can punch she's got a personality and uh she's one of the women i enjoy watching i mean if you said to me rafael make a list of the top you know five women you like to watch fight i would definitely have amanda probably at the top of my list all right, and so she's in the co-feature of Joyce and Parker, and again, that will be in the afternoon U.S. time. Adjust your time zone accordingly uh, for the primetime late-night uh, BT Sport uh, Queensbury Promotions car that's in Manchester for that one. And just one more time, we're circling back. Be with us on the Bet U.S. show live 1 Eastern time on Friday, depending on when you're hearing the podcast. Obviously, if you're hearing the podcast later on on Friday or Saturday, then the Bet U.S. show has already happened. We'll have more on the Stevenson Consacal because that's live on the fight. We already talked a bunch at the beginning of this podcast about what might happen, etc. We'll get into the X's and O's of that fight now that we know that it's happening much more so on bet us i know you just want to say one more time we're glad they got something worked out we've got a main event it'll be on espn and again for consacal the the uh the belts are on the line here it is a huge moment for him stevenson is stripped no matter what even if he wins but consacal has got a chance to be a two belt world champion here so there is intrigue just one more time before we're gone real quick yeah, I mean, he considers himself to be the uncrowned champion because yes. he and then he felt like he uh, got the short end of a victory that he didn't get his hand raised in when he fought Oscar Valdez last September. And then Valdez went on and lost to Shakur Stevenson. And now he's got a chance to beat the guy uh, who beats Valdez, who he feels he already beat for the two titles, whether he's going to take him off Shakur or now it'll be for the vacant title. 
uh, both of those belts. He has a chance to win. The point is, here's a guy that's been a, a great amateur fighter, three-time Olympian, won a gold medal uh, as a professional, only defeat is a razor close majority or a, a, a controversial decision, I should say, against Oscar Valdez. He's got a chance to kind of erase it all at once by by beating Shakur Stevenson, one of the very, you know, weight, weight issue notwithstanding, one of the rising stars in boxing, yep. a guy that's now a, uh, on most people's pound-for-pound pound list based on his recent performances, can pick up those titles and then change his life, to be quite frank. All right, we'll see if he can do that again. More on the BetUS show on the X's and O's now that we know that that fight is happening in the top-ranked ESPN main event for Friday. Mr. Rayfield, great job. We navigated all the way through this. Uh, and we're looking forward to what's going to happen this weekend with the fight cards that are going to be in Newark, New Jersey, and in Manchester, England, the two most prominent ones. Great stuff on this, my friend. We look forward to, uh, to reading more from you uh, on, on your Substack, Fight Freaks Unite, on uh, Big Fight Weekend in the preview mode, the recap mode. Again, I'm scrambling to Texas, the Lone Star State, and then to be back in Florida, but I'll be keeping up with all this, assisting you, and we'll have a Fight Freaks Unite recap coming off the weekend. Deal? We good for that? We're good for that. Enjoy Lubbock. All right. Uh, better you, be well. better you than me. <laughs> yeah, you say that. All right, be well. Uh, we thank Dan Rayfield. We thank you for finding us. Again, follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. By the way, the podcast just before this was Sean from TopHeavyweights.com. That's on the feed that we put up uh, late in the week. That's got more on Joyce and Parker from his point of view. He's on the TopHeavyweights.com website. Hear more from Sean, uh, from his guest. Uh, etc on that fight great stuff on here follow and subscribe dan and i'll be back with a fight freaks unite recap for now though the preview show is good here on the big fight weekend preview for dan rayfield i'm tj reeves enjoy the fights